from the void. Welcome to another episode of Chronic Media Consumption Podcast. This time around, we're going to be talking about something that is pretty on trend right now. It's like the number one streaming show on Netflix of all time. We are talking about Squid Game, the phenomenon that has swept the world where People who were living under a rock and weren't aware of how amazing K-media, K-dramas, K-pop, all of that fun stuff is, are finally waking up and uh, realizing that this stuff has been here. And it's freaking bomb. Hell yeah. Oh, God. The rise of Asian media in America specifically has been amazing. This is 100% proof of that. We need to get on that train. We can't downplay it. It's it's not something that we can say that we've been sheltered from anymore. Internet exists. We have streaming services that give us the ability to watch all number of things. The Untamed is something that you specifically have gotten me very into. Oh, yes. Squid Game. <laughs> Alice in Borderlands is another one. It's absolutely amazing. And Phenomenal. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see where these go. Oh, they're, they do such a good job of just sucking you in completely to these the the worlds that they're creating even without a lot of the context of the culture you're still blown away but if you also look into those little details and nuances of context the the importance of color as it pertains to a different culture and community a turn of phrase that is maybe more archaic than they would normally say but if as an English translation, we don't really necessarily catch that. But if you start learning those things, you hear that you're just like, oh, wow. So they're using ancient respectful ways of talking about something to be sarcastic and disrespectful. That's cool. Yeah. And I actually want to just point out something before we get into the full Squid Game thing. I learned this when I watched a Japanese movie, Shall We Dance? Way, way Oof, back. Yes. Before it was remade with Richard Gere and Jennifer Lopez, it, I don't like that movie. But the original, the Japanese version, it had a disclaimer at the beginning of it explaining Japanese culture when it comes to public displays of affection, touching, all of that romantic, shows of romantic feelings to other people. It's a very taboo subject in Japan, at least at that time. They don't have dating the way we do there. There's so many single people because they just don't have opportunities for interacting. Right. And, really and, interesting documentaries that go into that. And for the movie Shall We Dance, they specifically had to tell us that because this is taboo, that dancing, that actually going to a place where you are touching each other, holding each other, and doing ballroom dancing for one is something so unheard of so taboo that it fills everyone with shame so those little pieces of culture that we in america would have no knowledge of they make it more important it's a key point to the telling of the story now putting that movie in an american context didn't make any sense yeah, the whole thing just is like, oh, yeah, it's some weird forbidden romance between Richard Gere and J-Lo. No, it's not. That's not what the entire story was about. It's it's a whole layered onion of things that is completely lost when you put it on an American screen. So completely agree. things like that, I think it's a 
wonderful thing to learn some of the nuances that are coming in from their cultures before we even get into the stories. But the stories themselves are phenomenal. They're so poignant and they're actually quite prolific in what they create, but they have a level of quality that I feel gets missed mm. when we're in Western media kind of just spitting out a formulaic story that, you know, we'll get people to watch it. I mean, I think like the CW, the CW has become just ubiquitous with over the top teen shows that are like high budget and have really weird intense lighting and inappropriate like oh yeah this 30 year old is playing a 17 year old and he's super believable with all those like crazy ripped abs and like freaking jawline that doesn't look like shadow at like 11 (laughs) in the morning yeah i mean what now that supernatural is no longer on cw i won't even bother looking at it because there was that was the only thing that was moderately worth reviewing and the the way they go about those shows they're they're such cringy shows and they try to go for this like over the top we're gonna surprise you every time we're going for the shock value we're we're gonna have have a cliffhanger there's a cliffhanger at the end of every episode but why cliffhanger sexual assault the bad guy turns out to have been the good guy good guy turns out to be a bad guy it's it's always the same pattern over and over and there's some people who've done really good analyses of those shows but they they fall short because they view their audience in my opinion they view their audience as less intelligent they don't have faith in their audience and with these Korean, Chinese, Japanese, uh, the Thai shows, Vietnamese shows, there are so many different ones out there. They have a level of expectation that you're like, you, we're assuming you know some things and then we're going to just show you stuff. And a lot of it is subtle. Their, their relationships, they're so moving. It takes you 40 episodes before they actually kiss. And you're just like, oh my gosh. And it's like a tiny, slight little kiss. It's not even like huge making out. And then, of course, there's like other ones, like some of the Thai dramas where you're just like, oh, OK, so this is this 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 porn, right? No, this isn't. Oh, God. OK, can't watch this. But like the, the one of my favorite ones you mentioned earlier, Untamed, is a, a Chinese show that's just blows me away. But the the story spans decades of their lives. And it's just like this quiet pervasive love that is so powerful it moves nations and they have so much symbolism and the the way they speak to each other the song that they write about each other i'm just like ah new girl could never (laughs) of course not oh my god plus you have you that's the one thing like you just mentioned that you wait 40 episodes before they have like a peck on the cheek right whereas if there's any hint of attraction in an american sitcom or an american drama it's drawn out for maybe a maximum of a single season which Mm -hmm. can be anywhere from 10 to 23 episodes and once that single season has ended the following season they're like well we're gonna have to give them something so there's like a full-on makeout session oh but it was for a case yeah no that's not how that works <laughs> so teasing things out is is completely different that's i think one of the things that these shows do differently is they show a degree of intimacy that isn't necessarily mm. sexual intimacy it's it could be platonic it could be romantic it could be whatever but their partnerships Respect. have 
this, yeah, this deep respect. They have this connection and a deep understanding. And I think that's one of the things that I find lacking in a lot of shows and media that I try to watch here where I get impatient with the relationship because I'm like, you guys don't know each other. Why in the heck are you having, oh, but I love him. Do you, or do you like the idea of him? But in these other ones, like, I'll go back to Supernatural again, because that's one of them that like there was a reason why fans were such big fans and believers in Dean and Castiel, because they had a degree of understanding of each other. They had respect. They had love. Didn't have to be romantic, because who knows if Cass even does any of that stuff. I mean, fan fiction says he does, but we're not going to go that route. But they had that understanding and that level of intimacy of just that connection which is so rare to see in shows and people are like oh well they couldn't have been they're they're that would be gay well first of all Cass is a unknowable entity of unfathomable age who just happens to be yeah. in a male vessel at that period of time he's so, an eternal being come I, on man like stop being so homophobic talk about a zero fail and and crowley let's let's talk about that for a minute <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's Ineffable husbands, man. But see, that's the thing, though. There's there the few standouts. Really, they they glow in how different they are from the, the standard media that we consume. And I know a lot of that is because we do serial storytelling. We are canceling shows constantly. People are always just trying to get enough viewership so that they can stay alive. And there's a totally different method with the, the TV and media that's created in both China, Japan, like all of those, Korea. They basically get the agreement that we're going to create this and then we're going to put it out there. And it's it's done. It's created. It's paid for. It's done. They're not waiting for people to like keep watching so they can get renewed. They've bought the block of the story and the stories are complete, which I love you could tell yeah. like there's things that are put in the first episode that don't come to fruition for a hundred episodes. And then you're just like, that was all on purpose. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. And then, and then us in America, well, we have like one or two directors that have planned their stories out, their shows out for seasons upon seasons upon seasons. And you go back and rewatch them. You go, Oh, there were hints this entire time. We're not meant to expect that. Like, it's not something that they teach at American film schools. Like, they don't teach you to plan the entire thing out. They say, make sure that you tell the story one season at a time because you don't know if you're going to be alive next season. And it's all about sponsorship and ads and brand deals in in a lot of Western, a lot of American media. Huh. That's a, actually, I didn't know that that was how they taught it in schools, but it makes total sense. Everything, everything that I have seen from my script writing courses that I've been taking online have been like, yeah, you want to make something impactful and everything. That's great. You don't want to write too many episodes. Don't put too much effort into it until you know you have a buyer. Well, I mean, that, I hate that. that actually ties in really well to Squid Game yep. because this was this, it was his first venture into media like this. He got mm -hmm. purchased with, like, he had a relationship with Netflix. He had all these things that were, like, once-in-a-lifetime circumstances for a lot of people. And then he executed on it so well that it has become this phenomenon to the point where, like, yeah. 
I, I, Halloween was just a lot of people in jumpsuits. <laughs> just so squid game. Oh my so god. So many jumpsuits. Tracksuits and jumpsuits. Tracksuits track and jumpsuits. jumpsuits. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And the uh, director, the creator of this show, which I thought was really interesting, he he's the one he is the only director of the entire season, the entire mm-hmm, first season. Mm-hmm. So he is in control of the entire show, which a lot of creators don't have that. Some creators will write a pilot script and then they'll give it over to a team and he'll say, well, here's how I want to do it. And then they'll start to kind of influence it, whatever. But he had full control over this. He thought this up. He like he spent like, I think, 10 years. He came up with the idea originally 10 years ago with the red light, green light. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's, he's like, he's wouldn't that be interesting? Wouldn't that be interesting if they were playing red light, green light, but the stakes were mass murder? <laughs> I'm just and like, he, but he sure, pitched sir. It. He pitched it to he pitched it to a number of different yeah. companies in Asia as well. They all turned him down. And then now we have it. Now we have it. And everybody is loving it. And those companies are probably sitting there going, shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. They missed out. I mean, the, there's so much for us to dissect in this show that is, I, we don't have time. We don't have. I don't have the education or like knowledge to be able to give it full justice. There are people who are doing an awesome job out there dissecting the translations and where things were missed and things were have deeper meaning than you expect. There's others who were diving more into just the Korean culture in general and how this impacts things. Talking about, you know, poverty and uh, debt. And all of that, those aren't where we're coming from. <laughs> we're we're no. going to be talking more about like our experience with this, things that we noticed, fan theories and things that have been out there and just our, our the overall... crazy ones. Yeah, the crazy <laughs> theories, as well as the ones that are go, you know what, that actually makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, just overall the what we got out of this, because. Kelly and I were able to actually watch this together. We were able to stream it, you know, virtually. We aren't in the same area, but we were able to to do that. And I think that was so cool. One of the really funny things to me, though, is while we were streaming this, I didn't realize that I was streaming it in Korean with subtitles. (laughs) And she was streaming it in English. With English. English dubs until I was like oh did you hear what they said that word there that word can mean this or this and she's like what they just said they just said the English mom I don't what are you talking about and I'm like oh oh and I full-on thought that I was listening to it in English because I watched so much media with subtitles at this point that it translates to English in my head so so I didn't even notice that I wasn't listening to it in English. <laughs> oh, so great. Yeah. Uh, like, seriously, this is what it's like for those of us that consume media chronically. Yeah. Like, this is an addiction, man. Like, just, just how it happens. I, I would say it's a habit, you know, I can, uh, but I can kick the habit if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, that's what they all say. <laughs> I, I just want to say the first thing that we're... The first thing that I want to say before we get too deep into this episode, I say it's first, it's not first. What I want to make absolutely clear before we dive in is that we are going to be going whole hog into spoiler town 
with Squid Game. Yeah. We are not leaving anything off the table. Like this, we're going deep. So if you have not watched Squid Game, and if you are intending to watch Squid Game and want to be surprised at every twist and turn, and there are so many twists and turns, mm-hmm. you might want to come back to this episode later because we are revealing everything. We are stripping it down to its bare bones essentials and we are pointing at it, pointing <laughs> at it and going, look at this. I missed this the first time. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're stripping a bear and being like, ta-da! Helicopter. <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, so. Oh my God. It's been too long since we've recorded, you and me. It we has. Got, it's this, been a while. We took a this break. This is going to be a long episode, folks. But strap in. <laughs> strap in. We have a lot to cover. We have a lot to talk yes. about. And we're going to go some nitty gritty details. I think there's also some things we may be just like gloss over and be like, yeah, whatever. Because it wasn't as interesting mm-hmm. to us. We're not going to go frame by frame, episode by episode. We're really going to skip no. around to the stuff that catches our attention. But yeah, mm-hmm. it is going to be spoiler centric. And we are going to try as the best we can to give full respect to proper pronunciation. Yeah. But this is, is a uh, disclaimer at the beginning here that we aren't the best with this so yeah we apologize in advance for any mispronunciations that may happen but we will do everything in our power to do it correctly because it is no excuse to butcher it Matt. yeah we have such respect for this this show and we want to make sure that people understand that we love this with our whole hearts and we don't mean any insult or or bad negative anything like this is 100 percent out of full respect 100 percent oh so shall we get started you want to kind of just give me a, a brief little overview on what your thoughts were about squid game My... like not the story but just like how you have felt what you took away from it it for me it was like no other tv show that i had seen that is it's i haven't seen very many very many k dramas i haven't seen many asian films or tv shows at all which is unfortunately something that i'm lacking in and i'm trying to make up for but it like alice in borderlands it shocked me it drew me in instantly and it brought me to places that i wasn't expecting so much American and Western media these days, I can predict because it's also formulaic. And mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. I kind of figure out where it's going. And it would be great if this thing happened next episode. And oh, look, it happened. And with this one, I was constantly guessing. Like you and I, we were having conversations as the episodes were happening. We're like, wait, what happens if it's if this happens and this person doesn't make it? And instead, this is the person that wins. And oh, God, what happens if that? And we did not know where it was going to go and that is something that is so fresh for me i love it i I, it was so good what were your expectations what were your interpretations so i i would agree with the kind of surprises on every turn they did a good job of laying the groundwork for possible um, outcomes that you know it could have been so many different things 
I was also really moved by how connected to the characters I became. I, I cared a lot about at the beginning. I didn't want to. <laughs> and right. by the end of it, I was fully invested. And like I felt betrayal multiple times throughout this so show. So many times. I was just like, oh, geez. Okay. That's nope. That's really sad. Wait, it's worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was definitely a few moments that really impacted me in that regard. But what really got me was how well it represented human fallibility and mm. and human emotion. Because the characters were not caricatures. They were <laughs> complex, interesting characters, people that had complex motivations that reacted to each other there was not this like two-dimensional overreaction that sometimes ends up happening where you know their reaction is played for laughs in this case the reaction was felt so genuine and then they would they would give the characters time to sit in their feelings they didn't move on to the next gag they didn't go to the next shock factor. They had so many good moments of just wallowing in yeah. how they were feeling that you were there with them and feeling it. It was whew, powerful. Very powerful. Really powerful. Yeah. That's the one thing that when we first started watching the show, when we are introduced to Giyun, who is the main character, we we're introduced to him as this just kind of low life scumbag kind of a dude he's he's a guy who's living off of his mother's hard work but not he doesn't have a job of his own he's not contributing at all no not at all he's complaining about all the things that she does do for him he steals money from her because she won't give him anything extra and he's got a daughter whose birthday it is and he literally he steals the money goes and gambles almost all of it like until he finally wins and then immediately has to pay it to a bookie so that he ends up with nothing yeah and that's epi- that's the beginning of episode <laughs> one and we're looking at this guy going why are we supposed to like this guy this is clearly the main character the protagonist of the entire story i i don't like him i don't want to follow a story where he ends up triumphing because this is this is a piece of shit right? the amount of times we started out where we're just like why do we- i don't care if he dies fine die exactly <laughs> but very slowly they peel back layer after layer you see his his genuine desire for good things he wants to do good things for other people but he's slipping into bad habits really bad old habits partially because that's that's what he knows Mm -hmm. and that's what he's what he had as like that's all anyone expected of him yeah i mean he had he had a good job with a car company and then there was a big strike that happened, and that strike turned violent, yep. super, super violent. And he witnessed a friend of his basically get murdered yep. in front of him, directly in front of him. And he didn't do anything to save the guy. So and this he has guy, a ton of clearly, guilt. oh yeah, he's clearly got a ton of guilt, ton of trauma. He's probably PTSD up the ass at this yeah. point. So, I mean, in America, he'd be 
ripe for collecting disability because his his psyche is completely shut and there's no way that you could hold down a job when like the littlest provocation could probably just completely set you off and you don't know how you're going to respond he's sometimes manic yeah extremely hyper he's also sometimes very angry and then other times he's like very self-deprecating and it's all indicating some massive mental issues yep but it's also doing it it's doing it from a point of view of like it's not necessarily so obvious because everyone around them Mm -hmm. are writing these things off you're you're lazy you you don't take advantage you taking advantage you don't appreciate things you're oh this is just you know your silly behavior well this is something he's been doing for a long period of time but it's not just silly behavior, coping. but it's coping. Um, but it also makes it so that he is a ripe target, prime real estate for somebody who is looking to take advantage of their situation. And that's what brings in Mr. Sexy Salesman. <laughs> oh, gosh. Just Mr. Salesman. Oh, man. there. I mean, if you guys are a fan of TikTok and have seen any of the Squid Game TikToks that exist out there, you know, you know everybody is simping hard for this man. They're basically just thirst traps for the salesman. It's amazing. Yes, <laughs> but he, he's you know giving them an option, at, waiting until they are so far down on their luck. But the thing that got me about his circumstance and like him being brought into this is it showed that all of these people were under surveillance. That they were going through their financials, through their lives, through every aspect of their circumstances so that he could be perfectly placed at the moment where they were most desperate. Yeah. And you got to wonder if they have some ability in the back end to manipulate their situations so that they would be at their most destitute at the most opportune time for the salesman to come in. Oh, that's something that I thought about. Yeah, that's something I thought about, like, right after they first all voted to go home. Yeah. And seeing how things were just so bad. Like I mentioned, as we're watching it, we're like, I I wonder if they're influencing this. Like, because it seems so odd that all of these people would come back to these situations and see that they have somehow gotten worse and decide organically that they want to go back into the game because they would rather risk a death that they know than the consequences of their real world actions. Yeah, That's something I also was thinking of because um, what if that's how the game always is played? What if they, yeah, they always it's been going expect on for decades? Exactly. What if that's something that they found actually improves the game because the people who come back, they think that they're coming back with their eyes open. They think that they've made a choice and they haven't. They've been manipulated into the choice. They're basically cattle going through the cattle uh, line. And if they stayed out, they would be free in the pasture doing their thing. Yeah, they could be eaten by a coyote and life isn't that great. But this way, they're guaranteed to die (laughs) except for the one golden cow. And they made these decisions to go this route. So they almost are like holding themselves accountable 
to it and they're whole, they're they're committing more to the game which i think would be more entertaining for the vips very much very much so oh there's so many layers to this show we could we could dive into this for days absolutely and oh god but i would like to go into some of our favorite theories on the show we're going to start with the salesman the game that they play where they have the two square cards that they have one on the floor and the other person throws it and tries to flip the card over and you've got the red card and the blue card red pill blue pill yep Giyun picks the blue card for his player token, essentially. And when he enters the game, he wakes up as a player dressed in this blue-green tracksuit. And there is a huge theory going around. Every place that I've seen has mentioned this that says that if he had chosen the red card, would he have come in as one of the guards in the masks, in the big pink jumpsuits? I think that's likely. I, I agree. I think that it's very possible that that's one of the ways that they're using to determine who's who, especially when we saw how the guards were observed and manipulated. They had mm-hmm. such strict timelines. They had they weren't able to talk or remove their masks. I specifically think that they were brought in as the grunts. So, yes, and, and they they are also numbered just like the players are. Yes. Yeah, but like they wouldn't be the ones with the guns. They wouldn't they wouldn't be, you know, the front man. They they're just the grunts doing the basic stuff, you know, handing out food, right. taking away bodies. Those, the ones with the circles, the circles on their masks, yes. Exactly. So, they're they're what they could have been, I think. I also think that when Gion comes back, there's a possibility that he could be a guard. But there's also so many other things they could do that <laughs> they did such a good job of leaving it completely open-ended we're just like it could be anything i know oh and and actually Godzilla could attack i don't know <laughs> right one thing that i i also want to point out to do with the colors because the colors seem to be very important is that one person pointed out that the colors are representative of a not just a color wheel. There, you know the Venn diagram with three colors in it? The primary colors? the magenta, colors. cyan, and yellow. Mm-hmm. So we see the blue, the cyan color, essentially. The blue are the players. The magenta okay. are the guards, the soldiers, the managers. And the, the yellow color, the gold color, are, are the VIPs. VIPs. Mm-hmm. And if you put all three of them together in the center, you end up with black, the front man. Hmm. So that is that you start off as a player and then you, if you return to the game after you become a soldier and then after that you become a VIP because you have won so much money. And then after that, because you've done all three, you become the front man because you have literally gone through all of the stages and you are now the one in charge of making sure everything goes smoothly. I could see it's that. Loose. I I, mean, I could see that. <laughs> I don't I don't necessarily agree. The reason I say I don't think so is because of the 
body language of the front man. He mm-hmm. was respectful to the VIPs, but he was also disdainful to them. Like he, I felt looked down or was like, ugh, I don't want to work with these people. He didn't. Kind of like he was put in the position against his will. It felt a little bit like either he was put in the position against his will or that he he didn't think they deserved to be here. They didn't earn the respect that he's been forced to give them. Ooh, that's actually a good point. So, yeah, that's actually a very good point because he he earned the right to be the front man by mm-hmm. winning the previous game. And that's one of the things that I felt really intri- intriguing about this and particularly the front man he was so focused on fairness, on ha- everyone having an equal chance. He seemed to truly believe and have absorbed the dogma of the Squid Game and how everybody is given a chance to win. And Which is a very Stockholm syndrome kind of thing to do. But yeah. I, it, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a delusion because there's so many different things that make it inequitable. Like, there's physical capabilities there's you know uh, previous life experience there's all the these other things maker yeah the yeah. glass maker during the blast challenge who can tell whether the it's a temper glass or pain or not yeah. yeah so then of course they turn the light off after he figures it out yeah uh-huh. that was fair. that was interesting i also the glass one in particular I, I know that they were worried about testing the boundaries because of how things had been handled previously. They probably would be shot. But my first thought is I would walk on the girders. Right. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't walk on the glass panes. I'd be on the girders. Then you can shoot me. Oh, That's yeah. fine. At um, least I would get halfway. Yeah. And not like, be like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So like, there was a lot of those moments, but like the fact that he had no issue with them doing organ harvesting and so anyone who died if they they ended their session they were still technically alive they had our organs they would be harvested they had to bring in an outside doctor who had the capability to do this and they wanted him to be in the game as long as possible so they were literally cheating and giving him a unfair advantage with knowledge of what to expect and that was what the the front men had an issue with it wasn't that they were harvesting organs it wasn't that they were doing a side hustle he's like i could give two shits about the once they're done once they've finished the game to him they were literally just trash they didn't matter they were no yeah. longer contestants they were no longer were in the running he didn't care they had served their purpose exactly but they just were making the game unfair and he felt that they were taking away from the validity of these people's wins. Which also affects the VIPs because they clearly make bets on all of the players. And by tampering with the game, you are tampering with the VIPs' potential winnings. I mean, and that could be a big no no. Absolutely. I also feel like they may be dealing with some VIPs who like to tamper themselves. I wouldn't be surprised if a VIP was trying to get his horse to win. That, that would make sense. When we talk about the VIPs, there is something that another another person has brought up. There's, there's These theories are all over the internet. I literally cannot figure out who thought of it first. But the fact that the lowest of the low when you go to 
the people who are in charge of the games. So we have not we're not talking about the players. We're talking about literally everybody else involved with the games. You've got the mm-hmm. excuse me, the guards, the soldiers, the the grunts, the soldiers, the managers, and then everything up. The grunts have circles on their mask. The soldiers have triangles on their masks, and the managers have squares. Mm-hmm. What's been pointed out is that the more angles you have on your mask, the more power you have. Yep. So the circles, you have no power. You are the grunt. You speak when spoken to, and you go to bed. That's it. <laughs> you, you do what you have to do and be done with it. The triangles have the guns. So they have a little bit more power, but they still are under the rule of the managers with the squares that have four angles instead of three. Then you've got the front man who has that crazy angular black mask, which is mm-hmm. really cool to look at. I want it so bad. I'm not a mask person, but that was a cool mask. <laughs> then you see the VIPs for the first time towards the last couple episodes. With and crazy studded them, masks. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, they're like disco balls. almost. Studded They've got faceted. different facets. Yeah. And you can see that each one of them has more facets than the next person you've got the the one that's kind of like a like a jungle cat like a, a lion or a puma. there was a puma looking one that doesn't have a mane so that one is below the the lion and then you've got the eagle that has the the little feathers coming off the top which has more angles and you've got the deer which has antlers like all of these like they keep going up and up and up and up until you see eventually when you see the one mask in the room in the back that we later find out is Ilnam's mask because he is the creator of all things. It's practically bejeweled. There are so many fucking facets on that mask. It's ridiculous. It's like a, was it like a rabbit or an owl? I don't know, but it had like ears on it and it was practically spiked. I, I agree that there's something to do with the, the power of the, the masks and how complex uh, they are, but I don't think it's, specifically off of the angles i do think when it comes to the circle the triangle and the square that's 100 percent true but mm-hmm. i think it's a little bit of a stretch to re- reference it to everything else because there's a degree of you know personal style person like this is this is the creature that reflects me kind of thing i, I would expect from these guys and I mean, I could be wrong, but it it just it doesn't seem to resonate as strongly as some of the other aspects. I I am fascinated by the concept that the people with the triangles and the guns are returning guards or players. Yeah, because they That's also really- seemed a little more vicious. They followed the rules very well, but they seemed to enjoy things a little more than necessary. Yeah, they don't hesitate. Yeah. To fire when ready. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. They didn't hesitate. As soon as it was yeah. like, okay, you're done. Like, damn. Oh. I, I also am really intri- intrigued by the games they chose to play. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's red light, children's green light. Games, yeah. The Well, I mean, yeah, the children's games, but which particular games? Because, like, red light, green light, got that. And motion detecting creepy doll iconic and how they basically taught them the rules trial by fire literally 
trial by firing squad um so you just here's the rules oh no we were really serious and and they die but the the game that really resonated like that intrigued me was the the sugar the honeycomb game where they had to get rid of the shape and like perfectly chip out the shape from the yeah from the the circle of honeycomb Mm -hmm. yeah and the thing that was most impressive to me and one of the reasons why I started realizing that Gihon was not just a you know nice-ish guy who had a bad life, who had a habit of being a bad dude, he actually had a brain working in there. He just wasn't using it much. Mm-hmm. Was when he started licking the candy to soften it and be able to get the shape out correctly. And I was just like, wow, this is okay that's a good solution and the guard kind of like reacted when he did that and like took a step forward because they were surprised never seen they potentially had never seen anybody do that before exactly and literally every other player that was around him started doing it too like this is the (laughs) best idea ever like (laughs) Like, we got five minutes left i'm seeing him like lick that thing like it's a lover and i am gonna do that too oh gosh and the amount of memes that have come out of that are pretty intense so those were some of the bits that were interesting to me oh but the the set design oh my god it's phenomenal it's so amazing the concept of all of those bunk beds to begin with that are able to be mechanically forced to make you go off of them so that people are not able to hide and had to be in the center area and fight like that that was impressive and the fact that the games are set. Yes. These are not chosen games every year. They're not brand new. They're the same set of games in the same order every single time they hold these games. And they are painted on the walls of the room that they hold the players in. You yep. just can't see them at first because they're blocked by 456 bunk beds. Yep. And then you start realizing, and then the fact that to get from room to room, they have to go through an MC Escher meets drunk, like a crazy drugged up psychedelic Alice in Wonderland, confusing staircases is so, so pretty, but so interesting. And the, the director said that it was purposely very confusing and the layout actually made it so they had to keep a very close eye on the actors while they were traversing the structure because they could get, they could just go the wrong way. And they were like, yeah. no, 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 come back. Uh, they had actually, they, cause I watched an interview with the director creator, the two actors that played Giyong and Sangwoo and the set designer who was the only woman that they had in this interview uh-huh. and that they said that they had somebody who was working on the show somebody who was like one of the set builders and stuff was wandering through that part of the set got lost because he was on his own and he tried a couple of the doors and they were fake doors and he just had to sit down and finish his lunch and wait for somebody to come and find him because he literally could not get out. <laughs> I love that. So it's, it's a beautiful set piece and it, it instantly evokes the sense of like whimsy and also terror, underlying terror. Because yeah. 
it's beautiful colors and and very childlike you know bright primary colors and but you have no very... hope of escaping oh no it's te- definitely a maze meant to make you go i am in over my head here <laughs> mm-hmm the set designs were so fascinating. We got that. The playground set where yes. they were to to chip through the honeycomb, where all of the playground sets were enlarged on purpose to make them feel like children, they to make the them feel small. Yeah, yeah. It was or such a cool little little t- trick. The red light, green light one, and how they had the actual sky above them, so mm-hmm. they felt almost like they had a moment of freedom. And then it was yeah, it was taken away. the The way that they had the in the marble game that it was these old you know little town. Yeah, it was designed like Ilnam's neighborhood neighborhood, and was, surprisingly, yeah. Giyun's neighborhood when he was a child as well. Yep, very similar. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of them start looking a lot of alike because they were being made in the same period with the same kind of materials and such with a similar styling. But yeah, it was very interesting with that because that was so fascinating. There was these each separate little room, but they weren't full rooms. Like I was like, oh, wow. So this is like Korean Ikea. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That's awesome and horrible. (laughs) That's how I was viewing it. I'm just like, okay, so this is like we're playing a death game in Ikea. And then that made me think of the SPC, SCP, SP, I don't know, the, the thing where you have the all the different Whatever creatures. Whatever you have to identify. Yeah, exactly. SCP, the SCP Foundation, because there's one of them that is the infinite Ikea that you can't escape. Oh, and oh, so no. I was like, this is all reminding me of that. So there's a lot of these really interesting components that really they just stand out with these bright, oh, just ideas. And like, like what you were saying earlier, when they were sent back home and they thought they mm-hmm. had this like moment of, of, of hope, this moment of freedom, freedom, yeah. and then they start feeling the walls closing in on them. And the the character that I thought exemplified that the most was Song Wu. His situation was entirely self-created. Yes. And he didn't want to face consequences. And so he would yeah. rather die than face shame. Yeah. But that that is also something that is very culturally specific yes. as well. It is because in Asia, it is all about honor and shame. Uh, like, yes, that is what's that is what's very much ingrained to them from a young age, is that like you work to achieve the best honor, and that honor is either done in like making a name for yourself, becoming the the support for the rest of your family, or what have you. But he mm-hmm. he wanted to do the shortcut, which isn't something yeah. that's honorable, and he knew it wasn't, and yet he right. still couldn't face the the fact that people would think differently of him. And it was so fascinating throughout this whole event. Every time Gihun would introduce him and say, "Oh, he was the smartest. He went to business school. He did this." He, you could see he was conflicted because part of him was still proud of this story this fake story 
But the bigger part of him was like, that's not real. Stop bringing it up. Well, he did go to the university. Oh, I know he, he did, did. go to that, that business school. It's just that once he got out of the business school, he was he's wicked smart. He just found the loopholes. Yeah, he was, and he, he was criminal. He, ooh, he manipulated those loopholes. And it was... And if he had not lost money, if he hadn't lost the money, no one would have cared. They would have praised yeah. him for finding the loopholes. But, like, it still wasn't real. Yes, he went to the, that school, but he didn't have the prestige. He didn't want them to be drawing that attention. He's like, I'm, I'm proud of it, but at the same time, that's not my, like... I, it's a fake identity that person that and i am so smart and i'm all this stuff i'm literally on the run it's evidenced by his behavior throughout the game once he kind of figures out what the honeycomb game is yeah and he doesn't tell like, them before he doesn't tell them and he has that moment of should i be a friend should i do the honorable thing and tell everybody else what this is or should I just make it easy for myself and go for the simplest possible way out and make sure that I end up in the lead? Yeah. And he takes a shortcut yeah. every time. He has a moment of, of deliberation Remorse. where he's, yeah, he has those moments of, should I be doing this? Is this the honorable way to go through with it? And he decides that no, but I'm doing it anyway. Exactly. That's exactly it. Because he consciously makes the decision. It's mm -hmm. it's not that he's like desperate. He consciously makes the decision and he gains nothing by yeah. making that decision. He thinks he's maybe getting an edge. He's maybe getting rid of his buddy. He's they all could have gone to the triangle section. But he's like, yeah. oh, if, if this kills them, then I don't have to kill them later. Maybe like yeah. if we're being really charitable to him. But Overall, like he's just trying to get himself a slight advantage, a leg up that it's so minuscule comparatively. And he doesn't care. He doesn't care if he's crawling forward with a tiny inch of an advantage. If it's an advantage, he wants it. Yeah, it's truly a heartbreaking arc that his character goes through, too. Oh, and his mom. You know, oh, God, his mom. So proud of him doesn't even really know what's going on in his life that when the cops show up towards the end and say we're looking for him where is he she's like i don't understand why why are you looking for him she had no idea he was keeping it secret from her i don't know if that's plausible deniability that he was trying to give her or he didn't want his own mother to see him with such shame i think that he wanted to figure out a way that he could get out of this without having to tell her that yeah. he would be able to fix everything, which to is always be the, the dutiful son. It exactly. Yeah. It's Oh God. Every single one of these characters has such a heartbreaking arc. And oh, you were, you were even... going to tell me about Ali? Ali. Yes. So one of the theories that I saw, which was instantly disproven in the TikTok comments was talking about how this show has no problem with showing us death mm -hmm. has absolutely no problem with showing us when somebody has been eliminated from the game with literally a gunshot to the face. Awful, awful thing to see over and over and over and over and over again. But we only ever have two off screen deaths. 
and that's Il Nam, which mm-hmm. we later find out that he was not actually killed, and Ali. We never see him get shot. That's true. This guy's theory was that he's not actually dead. He will come back and he will be a guard next season. Here's the problem with that theory. He's shown in a coffin being pushed into the crematorium. Yeah. The beginning of the the following episode. So unfortunately, that is not something that's possible. As much as I would love to have believed that, because I love Ali, he was the best character. He was the best person of all of them. I mean, he literally, everything that he did, the only thing that was bad for him was he stole his money from his boss, the money that he was owed. Owed, yeah. Well, the other thing that... Everyone else. Some people were kind of ragging on him because they're like, why is this one guy being so respectful? And I was like, he's not being deferential because of respect he's being deferential because he is learning another language he's learning the culture and the culture he's an outsider well and the culture exactly but like when you're being taught a language when you're in like spanish class you're taught the most formal proper way of Mm -hmm. saying things you don't Mm -hmm. address people casually and buddy buddy you address them as senora senor you're you're you know being very formal and serious and having this structured communication style. And they did a very good job of showing that he was an outsider who was trying so hard. And there are so many moments that I think were, you know, when we go back and watch those, when the group is talking and he's on the outside and he's leaning in and like looking at everybody, like he's trying to understand what they're saying. But he's he struggling to translate in his head exactly while he's, he's watching them talk. Yeah, he's it's, not following oh. as much as others would be. And then they make these basically blanket statements of like, oh, yeah, Ali, you'll do this. And he's like, OK, because that's that's all he's he can do. He's literally he's letting them guide him because he has no other agency he doesn't have a way to understand that all what all of this is is what else everything is happening cuz the when somebody uses slang to somebody who do, isn't familiar with the language as much as we are if somebody uses slang like they're going to look at you like i don't understand like i was looking at this there was a post i saw either on facebook or tumblr or whatever the the difference between little nuances in language especially in english the difference between a butt dial and a booty call. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of difference. <laughs> yeah, right? But I mean, it's 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 it has different nuances and meaning. And so for somebody who's not familiar with the language as well, they're not fluent, not 100% fluent. Hearing somebody speak in that kind of slang is so far removed from something that they're comfortable with there's moments in the in the show where they say something to him and he repeats it back to them as a question Mm -hmm. and you see them go that's right you're not from here you don't understand let me try and dumb this down for you try to say this in as simple terms as possible and it's frustrating because this poor guy all he wanted to do was give a good life to his wife and his child. And he was struggling to do that. 
throughout the entire show, even if we see, we see flashbacks and everything, he's just struggling upon struggling upon struggling to get the work, to get paid, to do something that makes him a good husband and father. Yeah. And you know, he gets screwed by everyone. Oh, that kind of reminds me of some other thought I was having. I was thinking about why Squid Game was so successful in the U.S. And I was realizing it's because all of us can see ourselves in that game. Yes. we Most people in this country are one serious car accident away. Yeah. One being, slip up. One slip up. One, one issue from being desperate enough to be in that game. And the thing with in South Korea with these people, like there were people who were outsiders. They were the exception. They weren't the the norm. And I think in the US it would be a much higher percentage. <laughs> I don't know. Four hundred and fifty six players? Yeah. yeah. In your neighborhood. Yeah. Not city neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. Your cul-de-sac. Everybody signs up. <laughs> Only one survives. Oh, hey, Bob. How you doing? Oh, okay. We're both in here. Well, if if I make it and you don't, I will water your petunias. <laughs> so, exactly. Oh, it's, yeah. I mean, it's dark, but yeah. I mean, I was thinking like, it is. Oh, I, I was thinking that, and then I was, I was thinking the the outcome of this that we the only person we know for a fact who made it out and who like had all of the financial benefits and everything was the front man, front man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jinho's brother. And we only know that from basically the perspective of Jinho talking to his mom about how successful and wonderful and amazing his brother is. But then we also know that like years and years ago, he made it through this and he was the, the sole winner. And that room, that records room, Oh my gosh. Decades and decades, decades upon oh god with all of the binders. Binders full of players here. Like holy Dead shit. Players. Everybody who is everybody who is absolutely on their last leg. I mean Squid Game on its own is managing population control. And the crazy thing with Squid Game is like we don't we don't know how frequent they are cuz there were multiple binders per year. In some cases, and we also know, and we know that it's we know that it's it's an international. It's an international, yeah. We know from the conversation with the the VIPs when they were talking about how they always really love the the Korean games. They're so brutal and so creative. That tells us that they have other games elsewhere that are run slightly differently. I would love to see the versions of these. Like, let's see one in North America. Let's see one in South America. Let's see one in Australia where you have to fight a kangaroo who has like a, I don't know. Let's, like, see, one in, let's see one in Canada when they bring in the moose. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Oof. I mean, like, I was thinking like if it were in North America, like what are some games that we might play? And I was thinking musical chairs, Duck Duck Goose, Red well, Rover. Oh God, people's arms would be blown off. Like I- Red Rover. <laughs> like literally, I was in high school and our our gym teacher was out for the day, so they had a sub gym teacher come in, and they did not know the sub gym teacher did not know that you do not let high school students play Red Rover because some of us have been working out and <gasps> others have been eating <laughs> Cheetos. <laughs> 
Like, oh, you try to find yeah. the weakest link, and then not only are their arms strained to the limit, but your stomach is done. Yeah. Like, so many of us had to, like, fight from f- throwing up when trying to run full speed at somebody's linked arms. Like, yeah, thanks. I would rather die. <laughs> you know? <laughs> those would be absolutely some of those games. But, like, I just am thinking, like, the utter chaos that musical chairs would be. If, like, oh, a, a chair disappeared into the ground every oh, time. No. And you're just like, oh, shit. And, like, people are, like, literally... Ki- oh, oh, it leaves a gaping hole Oh, jeez. It's not yeah. even just it disappears and then is covered over. No, it so leaves a gaping hole. So you could fall into the hole, too. Oh, exactly. dang. So two people are fighting for a chair next to one of these empty spots, and one of them... Bye-bye! We you are av- eliminated. We are available for consultation. Uh (laughs) you want this to be on the game i could please i volunteer as tribute let me be in the writer's room yeah good god i would love to be a part of some of these these shows they're so cool and there's so much that goes the fact that this was brought that that this was literally conjured up by a single person it wasn't a team it was a single person we had moments as we're watching this going how is this run so efficiently? Is there, there's definitely feels like a military presence. Yeah. How long has this been going on? It's so routine. So, strict, so well so oiled. Regimented. Yeah. Like this is something that there's a lot of hands involved here. And the fact that no one outside of the game knows about it seems really highly suspect. And it's just the fact that you have one brain that thought all this. I, I, sir, my hat's off, off to, to you. you for sure. My God, I <laughs> I'm mean... struggling to write some porn back here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling to write my my erotica, which is let's say not nearly as complicated as one episode of Squid Game. Not even like one scene of Squid Game. So to be fair, my hat you. Is you do have some nuance in in your scenes but yeah his this is so impressive and like speaking of the complexity there was a recorded voice prepared for everything and like is that is that somebody who is speaking into it and having an ai voiceover go through that is that something that was pre-recorded and they just knew and anticipated everybody's actions I mean, is it one from, of the people in the control room? Yeah. Like, from my perspective as a recruiter who works with IT and technical people, my brain is like the amount of data analytics, predictive analytics, d- computer vision, the complexity of their database must be yeah. mind boggling. Yeah. The, like the the amount of hands that had to go into building it step by step, and the fact that their technology is modern up to date beyond up to date this, beyond up to date yeah like it's that this is this has been going on for decades and it has been updated every single time mm-hmm. so that it is as fast as possible it's it's mind-numbing yeah and, and i i i want to see i want to see where this goes i want to see other versions of the squid game i want to see like how different each each location could be how how if if korea if south korea is the one that has the most violent games like what are the other ones like yeah battle in a bouncy hassle like what is going on (laughs) i mean how creative do the other ones get there's so much potential that's out there that you know it 
he the world building that this that has made us think it it has a similar level of world building for me of um the John Wick series the implications for John Wick that there is a secret group of assassins that have been around for this long who have a a code and re- rules and requirements that each different location is slightly different all that kind of made my brain go whoa and then we got to see a little bit in the like following uh movies but this is beyond that and the amount of craziness like we know that this is our world or we think it is it's as close to our world it is this is an underlaying situation that no one knows about unless they're involved and invited in it it's it's kind of like the the wizarding world of of murder (laughs) Oh my god, right? <laughs> like where's platform 9 and 3 quarters for Squid Game? Like yeah. what the the wow. answer is a white van. <laughs> mm, yeah. With special gas tanks inside. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to knock you out. I loved that so many things like on second watching and from watching uh videos about the show that we find out other things like the fact that the games were written on the walls. I didn't see that right away. Cause I was engrossed. Yeah. We were, we were deep <laughs> <So>. into this. <laughs> like you and I were screaming at the end Literally. of the last episode. So, <laughs> like I, I haven't gotten that engrossed in a TV show in a long, long time. So I can't say so, that exactly because you showed me the Fear Street series and I was equally engrossed in those. That's true, but you were also screaming for different reasons. I, that's true. That is that is also true. <laughs> oh, gosh. But things that like I didn't pick up on the first way around. Games on the Walls. The fact that many of the deaths the of some of the major characters were foreshadowed in the show beforehand and it's it was fascinating just how each person was foreshadowed so Dioksu the man with the tattoo on his face he's like i think he's part of a a gang in the yeah. area mm-hmm. during the time that they are released his experience out in the world, he is being chased by his former gang. They've decided to coup, essentially, and mm-hmm. they are going to kill him. He jumps off of a bridge in order to escape them. And then he, he gets dies. Do- knocked off of the bridge. Yeah, he dies by having Minyo Min- grab him and pull him off of the bridge. Yeah. You've got Thang Wu who when he's out in the world, you find him sitting in a bathtub, just completely drenched in water, considering committing suicide. At the very end, he commits suicide in the rain too. So he's also, he's soaking wet and he commits suicide to just end it, get it all over with. You know, that's fascinating. I didn't notice those connections either. Then you've got Sabiak. When Sabiak is out in the world, the person that she's talking to to try and make a deal for her brother, her parents, I can't remember which, she holds a knife to the man's throat to threaten him and, and basically try to get her way to make him compliant. And she dies by getting her throat slit. Huh. Wow. 
then you have Ali, who, while he's out there, he's begging for his money from his boss. He grabs what he believes is owed to him and he runs. And during the marble game, Sang Woo basically takes Ali's marbles and runs. Oh my gosh, you're runs right. Leaving him behind. So the, I love those, those layers. Curtains, right? It's fascinating. And I, I honestly, I don't know if the, the mirroring of those stories was always intentional or if they just happen to fall that way because sometimes I know I've written shit like that but it is beautiful how that was done that is that is very good yeah oh good good point yeah I man when I saw that when it said like oh these characters deaths are all foreshadowed I'm like are they oh shit they are oh god (laughs) it was just so so fascinating wow well we could go we could go into this for forever i mean one of the things that i thought was interesting as well is circling back to the vips so the vips part of me sees like there's theories that people are like oh the vips are other founders i i don't think they're other founders I think I that they are just wealthy people who are bored, who are, you know, trying to find some joy in their life because they've forgotten humanity. And I think that they are used to being catered to. And Well, I mean, because we see we see Il Nam, he admits that he was the one who created the mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. We assume that he's the one that created Squid Game entirely like yeah. every version was spawned from the south korean one that's my interpretation of that and i think that the other vips are brought in specifically so that it's not just him watching a bunch of people kill each other he has people to to commiserate with when somebody he thought was going to win loses he has yeah. people to bet against he has like he has that that other audience it's like the, why do it's we the go popular it's the popular kid who is paying for people to come to his birthday party oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I, there's an interpretation that the vip they're supposed to be an allegory for us the viewers the watchers yeah. of the tv show i mean we're we're sitting there and just like in enjoying the train wreck that is the show to the same degree that they are and getting connected to certain characters wanting them to win cheering for them when they fail they're like oh man and sharing Um, with each other when we have those moments exactly like like just literally you and me sitting there watching it at the same time going oh my god what if this happens oh my god but he could do this and oh but what if he does that like we were literally having almost a similar conversation as the vips as they're watching it was it was creepy yeah it it was and one of the things that uh, i was talking to a a co-worker about that because you know i any opportunity i could talk about this stuff we're talking about the one of the things that seemed anachronistic to them was the sudden overtly sexual scene with one of the vips and I didn't feel like it was anachronistic at all, but he did because he was just like, well, this is just random and, you know, random gay sex scene. What's happening? And I was like, that's the thing. This isn't a sex scene. That was a power move, the stratification of their relationships. And it was showing 
that there was a monstrousness in there and then showing that they were a human monster. And then, of course, Jano, the, the detective who was hiding this whole time and doing such a freaking good job. Holy oh, crap, is he a good worked, actor? Literally working his way up from a grunt, grunt to one of the servants in the VIP lounge. Right? That was that was amazing. I was like, sir, hats off to you. Because he, like, he figured things out. And wow, like, he would have, that, if his brother is at all like him, no wonder he won the Squid Game. Right, um, and I am I'm I'm really hopeful he comes back in the second season because we did not see his official. We death. technically didn't see his death. We saw him shot, but that didn't mean he died. Yeah, so, he just fell off of the off of the cliff. Like, yeah. that could be survivable. Maybe, maybe, who knows? But like that that difference uh, of their connection and like making these golden elites tarnishable and showing them and I, all of these there were so many different layers to that scene i was like they did such a good job with that because the detective was manipulating them because he knew he knew what they were he saw what they were and he was catering to that and was able to manipulate them because they were so caught up in their own worldview and their own self-importance their the fact that they literally own everything that's in that place. Everything is theirs. And nothing can Including say no. People. Exactly. How, yeah. like, when you think about that, it's like, it's crazy. And, and that made me think of the Hunger Games. Because a lot of stuff brings up the Hunger Games for me. And how <laughs> a lot of the survivors of the Hunger Games ended up basically being pimped out. Yeah. And, like, how messed up. They had no way of saying no. And that's like so messed up. And none of that was really explicitly talked about in the movie. So people don't necessarily catch it. I, I definitely caught it. But people were just like, oh, it's fine. They were just so popular. And I was like, there were literally wealthy people paying to sleep with them. And they couldn't say no. And you're like, that's fine. No. They're, they're literally, they are the champions of the games that in themselves become trophies. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so all of that was like so poignant because as that's happening in the other room, people are literally dying because of tempered glass and mm -hmm. not having the ability to work together because it's in your best interest to be working on your own and it's also in your best interest to be the last person across. And, yeah. oh, I mean, it was just so, so interesting how what once was like, you should be the first across. Now you should be the last across. And all this stuff is going on around there. They, I mean, there was so much meaning and power. And that final dinner where the three of them were at, yeah. the, at that triangle and for the first time, they're in the same level and they're given a weapon when they're in a triangle, which I thought was interesting because the, the triangles are the ones with the weapons and guns. Yeah. And then they were given a weapon as soon as they were put on that triangle. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's all and, connected. And I might also want to circle back to, surprisingly, to the Da Vinci Code, okay. where we learned that the triangle the, with a single point at the top is a primitive icon for divine a sword masculine. or spear. Yep. The divine masculine. 
so a knife they were given a knife mm-hmm. which is a small sword aka the triangle yeah i mean i mean let's talk about symbology here <laughs> there's a lot of symbology in this yeah I mean, they were given weapons in two instances. They were given weapons during that point with the dinner at the triangle table, but they were also given weapons earlier on. If you don't pick it up right away, because every other time that these characters are fed, all of the players are fed, they are given plastic water bottles to drink from, plastic milk bottles, etc., etc. And then the one time, the one time that they are given glass bottles, Mm -hmm. it's just before. Or they unleash the characters to just start fighting and killing each other because they can. So going back to symbology, and I don't think this is actually what they were doing, but if we wanted to, we could read into it. Another symbol for the divine feminine is the cup and cup and glass and container, anything that's holding things. So it could be the womb, the original death is being caused by a symbol for the womb, a glass bottle. And the final death is a symbol for divine masculine, the blade. Mm. Again, I don't you, think that's what they you, were Oh my God, for. actually, that's, that's, you come from, oh my God, you come from the womb only to end at the tip of the spear. Everyone begins female and ends male, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, technically, but I mean, to, I think we've gone over a ton here. So I mean, a lot there's of spoilers. So much more. Oh, there's a lot more for us to cover. I yeah. And I have wanna... lists upon lists. Oh God. I don't know if there was, uh, was the big reveal you were going to give me the foreshadowing. That was one of them. And, oh, I just want, I do want to mention this before we end. Cause like we, we could talk about the color of his hair. We could talk about a whole bunch of other mm-hmm. things, but this actually was one thing that I thought was cool is that Il Nam was originally supposed to be eliminated for the marble game. He was supposed to be eliminated because he was supposed to be the last one out. But because Gihun was too much of a good person. Right. His his exit from the games had to be improvised because Gihun came by and said, Hey, you can be on my team. Like I'll I'll take you in my pair. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh no, don't you see that I've I'm I'm no I I'm have feeble dementia. And old. I don't what remember are you things. About? I feed myself so that nobody will want me. I'm sitting over here in a corner. Literally everybody is ignoring me. I'm just supposed to bounce. Like no. <laughs> I they're just gonna take me to my, my cushy suite, my penthouse, you know, after this. But no. So so who knows what would have happened with, with Mignot during that game. Yeah. If she hadn't been the last one, the odd one out. But because the, that I mean, last I, one odd one out was supposed to be an, an opportunity for to be him to be, to be knocked out and just yeah. disappear. But then they couldn't just disappear her. So she won. Um, yeah. Everyone assumed that she was going to die. But in the, in the, 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 on the subject of fairness, they had to leave her in the game. Yeah. 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 One one of the things that I wanted to touch on just the, like the last bit, one of the most poignant scenes to me was the ending with Ilan, where they were watching the man in the snow, the drunk man yeah. who was on, on the sidewalk. 
And as soon as the person bent down, like looked at them and checked on them and then left, I was like, he's getting the cops. He's getting help. He's getting somebody. Oh God, he has to be getting somebody. (laughs) Please be in time. But the thing is that they really weren't hinting at it because he didn't run. He didn't jog. No. He wasn't rushing. He wasn't. He left at a normal pace. Exactly. And the whole, the whole thing about that was they were setting everything up for you to lose faith in humanity. Yeah. They had every reason for you to believe that people are the worst. And then that last, that, I mean, yeah, they are, they're awful. (laughs) (laughs) That last glimmer of hope when they actually came to help him. And then Ilnan at that very moment dies. And I was like, bullshit. You didn't die. You liar. Yeah, there's think, some people that are saying that he's also still alive, but his, why would they kill him off twice? His timing was too perfect, but also yeah. at the same time, he's a theatrical dramatic bitch, so... He really is! I, I believe that he would do it. He would literally set it up so that he dies at that perfect moment just to bother Gion a little bit more. Ugh. Yeah. But like, I, that, I that scene... Just that scene on the sidewalk there, that stays with me. Because, like, Yoon, for the first time, was as removed from the scenario. They gave him plenty of time. They gave him plenty of time to go down there and help him himself. He could. Literally. mm -hmm, He could have taken the elevator down and been the person. It said anyone helps them. It could have been him. But he had removed himself from the scenario. He was an observer. He wasn't somebody who was influencing things and i thought that was a very interesting mental change that he had had he'd swapped over from becoming the player from being the player to becoming the vip to being a viewer at least yeah yeah he's the one with the money he's the one literally watching things as they play out and rooting for one outcome over another yeah i mean crazy right like so just so well done so many layers such interesting characters the music everything the sets oh so well designed the two the songs that stay with you from this show Mm -hmm. are the red light green light song which if you've seen it on tiktok you know that song and then the the weird like boom 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 yeah. song that, whenever that some yeah whenever they're they're yeah. actively doing something yeah the whew, they did a good job with those like, i i i went on spotify because i wanted to see if they had the the original soundtrack from that and i found it and that song is 38 seconds long <laughs> and I, should i go online should i buy myself a pink jumpsuit and a mask and should i put a bluetooth speaker in my pocket that loops that, that 38 second song and just wander around a neighborhood at night. <laughs> I know quite a few people who would have done that. So I'm pretty sure that I, a lot of neighborhoods were infected with that. Right? I seriously considered it. Oh, my God. I wanted to just wander like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> oh. Everybody's going, oh, no. <laughs> you just have a hard-boiled egg and you're just wandering around. <laughs> or a glass bottle. Yeah. Yeah. I've got plenty of glass Coke bottles here. I've got plenty of glass drinks. 
all over the place. <laughs> Definitely just strip the label off it and just wander around. Oh, <laughs> but I mean, I'm just so I'm so happy that you and I were able to watch this together because I feel like yeah. it magnified everything. Like I would have appreciated it, but being able to talk through it with you and our theories in the moment, all of that yeah. just impacted it so much. Definitely yeah. heightened when we everything. started when we started to kind of figure out that the front man was Jun Ho's brother. Yeah. Like when, when we're sitting there going, wait, why do we not know who the front, like we don't know anybody, but we're not concentrating on anybody else as much as we are the front man. Like why, why is it so important for us to see his little office with the weird animatronic jazz set that's going on in the corner? Like, why is this important unless he is somebody that we are supposed to kind of know mm -hmm. by proxy? And I'm like, oh, he could be his brother. He could be the dude's brother. Oh, that would be so cool. And I love it when I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. But... It, it does. It, it's something that we don't have the ability to do all that often because you and I are 800 miles apart. But the this fact is... that we have. Yeah, the fact that we have the ability to to do something like this with Thener and and watch something. And if we wanted to have our cameras on at the same time so we could literally see the reaction on each other's faces. It's it's I'm I'm loving the fact that we have that kind of technology because yeah. it makes the experience so much more than it could be. Like I don't watch The Untamed unless I'm watching it with you, because I know if I watch it by myself, I'm going to be like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so important. Do you see he's wearing purple? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we pause it like every five minutes so we can go over what just happened. <laughs> I love um, it. It, it's, it makes it so much more powerful. And that's why it's so cool to to have these moments these these shareable moments that's why it's so important that like this type of media is coming over to to american shores that like now more of us can get to share in the brilliance of what they have to offer and start to really grasp really understand more than what we take for granted absolutely so just to like circle back on this like at this point if you're watching this you clearly have already seen squid game or you don't care about spoilers because we've gone over a lot of spoilers oh yeah for uh, real. but we recommend going back and re-watching seeing mm -hmm. if you spot any other things if you any of these theories that we've talked about particularly stand out to you we'd love to hear which ones you like the best who your favorite characters were and what your theories are for season two if there is ever a season two that he did not want to sign on for a second season until he was absolutely 100% sure of where he was going to be taking the story. Mm -hmm. He wanted that story nailed down before he signed any contracts, which is is great for him to have that kind of power, but it sucks for us I'm sitting here going like, but we want to know. I, I actually know. I actually am even better. I'm more um, pleased that he's doing that because I don't think yeah. I would want the show that he would be able to create for us with that uncertainty, with Agreed. having everything defined. That's the show I want. And if until he can tell us that he can make that, I don't want it. Yeah. No, as a, as a person, a creator, I totally appreciate that. Like, yes, I have that dying, that, that burning itch that I, I want to know where it goes, but I, 
a hundred percent understand where he's coming from as a creator. You do not want to handle this half-assed just so that you can put something out there. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I think a lot of people don't understand is like, oh, just get it out there. People will buy it. I'm like, I no. It's not I about want, the money. It's about what you- I want to be proud. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I not- want to have pride in the thing that I release. And it's not just like, oh yeah, people will buy it, but then they're going to be unhappy because it's going to be false advertising. We Mm -hmm. want what can be made to that degree of complexity, quality. Like I want Squid Game 2 to be just as mind boggling as the first one. If not more. If not more. I mean, that's a lot to ask for, but ooh. (laughs) I, I, yeah, you don't understand. Like, I, uh, if you've seen it, you guys know. You know exactly what we're talking about, about how amazing this is. And if you didn't watch it with friends, you should you watch should. it with friends. 100%. Because it is so much more cool, so much more interesting. And yes, definitely watch it again. I, I have not watched it a second time yet. I want to. I desperately am probably going to over winter break. But like, oh, it's, oh. I, I want to see all of the little nuances. I want to pick out all of the little things. It's it's a puzzle. It's a mystery. And I eat that shit up. <laughs> I I love it. And so it was it was so much fun to watch it with you. But also like just such a quality show in general. We've seen mm-hmm. quite a few good shows recently. Yeah. Blood, Blood Red Skies, uh, the Fear Street series. This yep. so Alice in Borderlands was Alice amazing. In Borderlands, yes. If you liked Squid Game, you'll love Alice in Borderlands as well. It has yeah. a similar kind of theme. It's based in Japan, not Korea. And, it, ooh, so good. It yeah. definitely, what you think is going to happen, a little bit of a brain twist. doesn't. <laughs> yeah, like very much a like a, a teaser, twisting, turning, crazy storyline. Yeah. So. There were characters that I was like, oh, these are these are good characters. They're definitely going to live. Not dead, episode three. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yep, they they do do a lot of that where you're like, oh, this is well, they're setting these up to be the main heroes, and then you're like, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the 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 fellowship you've developed the fellowship of the ring here. Like we've got this whole group that we're gonna follow into glory and to Mount Doom and everything. And no, nope, nope. <laughs> Orcs happen. Orcs happen. <laughs> <laughs> This has been a special kind of spoilers heavy episode for us to really dive in, talk about some of our thoughts and theories, and just generally appreciate some very well done media because honestly, it needs the accolades. It Uh, does. It's it's worth all the hype. (laughs) And in the current social climate that we have right now where like Asian media is not getting the attention the way that it should be. Let's promote the hell out of this because yeah. this is fantastic. They have so much to offer that we are completely missing. And this is yeah. great. And it's, it's not just, it's not just the, the K-pop stands. Like a lot of people have that little sneering. Oh, they just like K-pop. K-pop is good. Okay. There stands for <laughs> a reason, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the, the media, it like, it's such a monocultured 
Western view to be like, oh yeah, the, this is proof that a show can have an unknown actor and still be really popular. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, what? The main <laughs> actor of Squid Game is one of the most prolific actors in Korea. He's been acting since the early 90s. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the actors in this show have been in Train to Busan. They've been in a lot of movies and TV shows that are movies specifically that we have seen starting to creep into our zeitgeist right now. Mm -hmm. And like these guys have been around for it's just because they're unknown to us doesn't mean that they're unknown in their hometown. Yeah, not even their hometown in an entire culture, entire community, all of the 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 Eastern media. These people are well known and there's just a few people in china i mean just a couple couple. (laughs) just just billion or so just a few in korea it's not like it's like a small country or whatever (laughs) there's well-developed lots of people and they have a stranglehold like their effect on media is palpable things that they do cause ripples and trends that hit our culture and our shores without us even realizing the the whole impact South Korea, South Korea is um, uh, Miranda Priestley talking about Cerulean, <laughs> and we're the people who are digging through the bargain bin, going, "Oh look, it's on discount." <laughs> it's all connected. Sorry, Devil Devil Wears Prada. Devil Wears Prada. Okay, I was like, "What?" <laughs> oh come on, you didn't know Miranda Priestley off the top of your head talking about Cerulean. No, man, I read the book, I watched the movie once, I'm I'm good. I okay. like Lauren Weisberger's other books, so yeah, Devil Shapata was not my favorite. It was the first one I read, but it wasn't my favorite of her. I love her me repertoire. some Devil's Wear Prada. And no, I will you wanna talk... read if you wanna read if you wanna read a good mo- a book good book by her, it's Everyone Worth Knowing. Ooh. Okay. Good, good book. Put it on my Such list. Such good. Well, I'm not sure when we're going to be releasing this, but it's probably going to be before holidays. So I hope you have wonderful holiday time and are able to get some time to enjoy some quality media. Yeah. Friends and family. Yeah. Or loved ones in general, because that doesn't necessarily connect family for everybody. Sure. People you care about. People you care about. Spend time with your loved ones. It could be your dog. It could be your pet parakeet. Yeah. Who knows? It could be the crocodile you found in your swimming pool. Who knows? (laughs) I mean, okay. I don't know. (laughs) What do you want? (laughs) (laughs) But thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Chronic Media Consumption. You can join the conversation on our Twitter at chronic underscore media. You can join us on Instagram that we have now. Uh, chronic underscore media pod or you can email us at chronic media consumption at gmail.com well join us next time on chronic media consumption as always i am michelle and i am kelly thank you for joining us and (laughs) bye-bye